I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I know. That was mine. Hello there, it's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, the podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just don't give a 50, like us. To our awesome 50-ishers who are tuning in each week, thank you for your support, for the generous and very encouraging feedback. If you haven't already done so, we would love it if you could search us up on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a kind review. We'd also love it if you could encourage a friend to download and listen. It really does help with our podcast enormously, so thank you. So today we are 50 and excited to be chatting to Kirsty Clements, best-selling author, editor, journalist, consultant and keynote speaker. Kirsty worked at Vogue Australia for more than 25 years, starting her career as a receptionist and finishing most impressively as editor-in-chief, a position she held for 13 years from 1999 to 2012. She was Features Director at Harper's Bazaar from 2019 to 2020 and is currently a contributor to The New Daily, The Guardian and various other media outlets. Kirsty has written several books, including The Vogue Factor, her memoir of nearly three decades in publishing, which achieved international recognition and led to an appearance on US talk show The View with Barbara Walters. Her latest release, Why Did I Buy That?, is for those of us with an interest in style and fashion who want to know what to wear, what to buy and how to age stylishly in these changing times. That definitely includes Trish and I. Delivered with realism and humour, Kirsty shares personal stories and musings on fashion trends. She talks about how to edit your wardrobe and lifestyle with panache, how to live decadently on a budget and how to spend your money more wisely. Hello Kirsty. thanks so much for joining us on Don't Give a 50 and congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. Hi, thanks for inviting me on. Oh, we're, we are stoked to have well, you. Can I just it. say, 
<laughs> and honoured. Can I just say how much I love the title? Because as a devout fashion lover, I've asked myself that question on more than one occasion. Uh, it's completely relatable and I'm sure it's relatable to most of our audience as well. So did that play into your decision to call it Why Did I Buy That? Yes, completely. Because I think, you know, given that I've been in the very pointy end of fashion all my life working at, at Vogue and at Harper's Bazaar and what have you, I, I'm still you know, by talking to my girlfriends and knowing, talking to the readers and everything, I know that there's a lot of confusion out there. So, you know, even the most expert, you know, reportedly the most expert people in fashion still get confused about uh, trends and what to buy and what suits them. And so I think my, my publisher and I were sitting around when we decided on the book and we are talking about it a few weeks into the writing and I said to her, I think every single person, man and, you know, a woman or a man, at some point looks in their wardrobe and goes, why did I buy that? Might even not even be your wardrobe. It could be anything in your house, really. And so I did want, obviously, the book. I did want it to be relatable because these are these are experiences that we all have, and I wanted to help people and guide them through that to make better choices. Well, you've certainly done that. And might I just say, wow, what an extraordinary and fascinating life you have led and are leading. Now, from humble beginnings growing up in the Sutherland Shire to a career in Vogue Australia spanning over 25 years, rubbing shoulders with the likes of Carl Lagerfeld, Kylie Minogue, Crown Princess Mary, Kate Blanchett, and that's just to name a few. And let's not forget, whilst doing this, also bringing up two twin boys, which I could imagine would have been no easy feat if they're anything like my son. I can't imagine two of them. <laughs> At the same time. Kirsty, how did a girl from the Shire end up on one of, or in one of the most coveted roles in the Australian magazine world? Very good question. I was talking about your boys. Someone was saying to me yesterday, we were talking about decor, and I said, I might get some cream decor. I've never managed to have that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I've board. been there too. Oh, the loose covers, and uh, we'll just wash them. And then I think, what are you thinking? Not only do I live on a farm, but I've got a boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, they destroyed everything unless it wasn't on the wall. If it was on the wall, it was safe, and that was about it. <laughs> but going back to the question, I think part of it was just sheer naivety, to be honest. Like someone was asking me that the other day. They were like, what do you wish you'd known before, you know, one of those questions? And I was like, actually nothing, because I think part of part of the journey was actually being quite naive and, um, you know, being in the Shire. If I look back now, what did I love doing? I loved, I used to sit outside the newsagents and wait for my favourite magazines to be delivered in the morning, you know. I used to love makeup. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as being a beauty editor until I got to Vogue and got to be a beauty editor. Um, I remember when I got the job at Vogue, I was I started as receptionist. I remember thinking, ooh, that would be a way in the door. So in a funny way, it was none of it was planned. I was not ambitious like that. I just got in there and I had a great sense of enthusiasm about the job and was willing to do anything, but I also... I had lots of other interests. I knew a lot about pop culture. I knew a lot about film and sort of seminal film. I'd read a lot of books. You know, I was really interested in vintage fashion and music and all that. All of that is really important to run a magazine. It's not that you go there because you just love fashion. That might be just one of the things that you know. Yes, and I yes. always tell young people now when they ask me about how do I get into that business, it's like you need to know everything. Yeah. You, know, you, need to, you, know, you need to really embrace pop culture um, in a wider sense, not just say I'm a fashionista because 
often that just means you like shopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's too narrow. I think that's so true. You know, we think about, you know, it's it's the having that curiosity, you know, and having the initiative and just hard work. And that's what we're always saying to our audience is just the giving it a crack. You know, don't be intimidated. Yeah. Get in there and give it a go. Anything's possible. Yeah. And I, I basically got into Vogue and, you know, looked around and went, oh, my God, you know, what a wonderful place. You'll have to get me out of here with, you know. Hook. Yeah, try and getting rid of me. <laughs> my hand up and saying to people, can I help you? Can I type your notes? Can I do that? And I would just put my hand up for anything. And through that I would learn what I was not good at, but then I also learned what I was good at. And I was a much better journalist than I am a stylist. But um, I think it, it did, you know, hold me in great stead later on when I was an editor because I knew what every part, of the business was. I know I knew how it was for the woman on the front desk yes. and I knew till we didn't have a front desk. And I knew what it was like to be a fashion assistant and I knew what it was like to go and take the names at parties. I'd done all that. So I knew what I you know, I didn't have these lofty ideas of what Vogue was. I sort of knew from the ground up. Yeah. What the what the hard work at all levels look like. Yeah, which probably made me a practical editor too, which the money people always like. <laughs> <laughs> Kirstie, you probably get sick of this question, but for us and our listeners, um, the world you lived in is foreign uh, or was uh, foreign, uh, fascinating and hard to even comprehend. So what were um, a couple of your most pinch yourself moments from your time as the editor-in-chief at Vogue Australia? I mean, they probably are the the ones you mentioned in the intro, to be honest, was um, working with Karl Lagerfeld when I invited him to get that at the issue and then um, we worked together on that and I had lunch in his home in Paris. Oh, my God, wow. I just got goosebumps for <laughs> you. Yeah, and he would telephone me and then he was designing, um, was it Fendi, I think it was at the time, as well as Chanel, and I went and sat with him in the design room while we were also doing the magazine. So to to have met someone like that, you know, such a legend, um, was incredible and to work with him rather than just meet him at a party or a, or a launch or something. Um, the Princess Mary issue, you know, we did the first issue, the first splash cover of Mary and the first story about her after she was married, which I wrote, um, and to have pulled that off in utter secrecy and, you know, going to Copenhagen mm-hmm. and, and, and photographing them in the palace and getting Frederick and Prince Frederick involved and everything, that was a super pinch me moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a long story, longer story behind that, but I've been in Copenhagen on a George Jensen um, press trip and we were in the square looking at the palaces and I said to one of my fellow journalists, there's an Australian girl up there who's going to marry the prince and I really want that story. And he went, oh, yeah, sure, you know, it, is it your should have been me moment? And I was like, no, it's such a great story, you know, that he just met her in a pub and I really want that story. And I was looking up at the palace and I think it was probably about 18 months later I was actually in that palace yeah. oh, with yeah. Mary. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. She said, oh, look, Kirsty, come and look out the window down here. And I was like, oh, my God, I got real, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because I thought 18 months ago I was down there looking up here going, I'm going to get that story. And I got that story, you know. So that was um, that was a pinch me moment. Um, and, I, and I do think that I, I shot Kate a lot, Kate Blanchett, like lots of times because I love her and she's a great Vogue cover. But I think the last one that I worked on with her where we illustrated Kate, that um, illustrator David Downton illustrated her, we're in the Dorchester in London, and that was for our 50th anniversary issue. Mm-hmm. And it was really beautiful because it was so old school. I would dress her and where she'd come out 
and the hair and makeup would do. And then we'd leave the room while David sketched her. And then they'd say, okay, we're ready. They'd check, we'd come back in. Wow. It was really wow. old-fashioned, you know, because yes. there was no photography, yes. no people on crowded sets or anything. And um, that one time magazine cover of the year that year, and I think they really understood what we were trying to achieve there, which was to draw that line through history with by using illustrations that's making it modern and having Kate, you know, who represented the sort of modern Australian well, woman, you know, superstar. Um, that was a pretty great one too. I liked the artistry of that yeah, that, that was, project. Yeah, that so, was creative. Yeah, that's creative. creative. Pretty significant pinch me moments there, Kirsty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the yeah, the regular fifty issues like Trish and I, like they are they are significant pinch me moments. Very cool. You with Barbara Walters, but that was postponed. That yeah, was I know. Book. Amazing. But Barbara Walters, who I just like, I'm such a fan. And to be sitting next to Barbara Walters, she came to the dressing room. My name was on the. I mean, it was unbelievable. Oh, um, so amazing. My, my PA, she came with me after Vogue. She when she knew I was going on Barbara Walters, she actually came with me to New York just to be there, and she was in the dressing room with me. It was it was just wonderful. That and that was sort of one of my post pinch me moments after Vogue. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Look, um, another infamous uh, Vogue figurehead, Anna Wintour, an amazingly successful woman, a woman I should say, and another question you may or may not like being asked, I'm not sure, but is she portrayed accurately in the movie where most of us get our industry insight from and the, uh, of course, famous Hollywood movie Devil Wears Prada? No, I mean, that that was an exaggeration yeah. of Anna. Mm. That's how people who are outside of her staff and people who are around her would see her. Yeah. But I don't think she's like that with her staff. You know, she's got to get stuff done. Did you ever get an insider's glimpse into her? Yes, but she, she was icy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I think yeah. she may be less so now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I, it, to be honest, I think so. that culture's changed yes. and that idea of being terrifying person I, I think I from what I know now she's very hands-on with the new you know the way that Vogue's evolving and all the new yeah um heads of attention thing they're appointing I she, you can't be that sort yeah. of yeah yeah but obviously in the time for the longevity of her career that's exactly what she needed to do absolutely Maybe. I mean the cut industry and she's absolutely and she's I mean she, her, her magazines never faltered it is very cutthroat industry and she managed to hold that mm. steady I've got great admiration for her yeah, yeah. but I didn't really um, I didn't really interact with her very much it wasn't we were very separate you know yeah, the American okay. Vogue was you know firing with such a powerhouse and we were sort of separate for that and let's face it not everyone's warm and fuzzy they're just not are they mm-hmm. no uh, not everyone's no, warm no, and no, fuzzy that, it'd be a boring no, place if we all were yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. yeah, yeah. Um, Kirstie, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, Kirstie, there was a, an absolute boom moment um, in your book for me when you described the way in which media gives praise and talks about the style of older women. Um, you were alluding to the fact that they tend to only talk about women up to 30 and then skip to women who are about 70, and so they leave yeah. this big gap of 30 yeah. years, which is right where we're at, like the three of us. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just, this is one of the reasons why Trish and I started the podcast, because we're really tired of um, feeling invisible 
when we're anything but invisible. And um, why do you think the media does that? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. What drives this when there are so many super stylish and really incredible women aged between 30 and 70? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember some girlfriends and I sitting around, um, Deborah Thomas, you know, crazy great editor of Cleo and um, Cleo and Women's Week and everything, and other girlfriends, and we're all about Lee Tullet. We're all around the same age, people take. And we were talking about how we want to look as we get older. And and, we, and somebody was complaining, and she's like, I'm sick of this idea that we've got to wear crazy stuff and red glasses and tons of colour and all that mad thing where people look at you, oh, isn't she mad, you know? <laughs> she's like, I don't want to look like that. I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, I think she's talking about me. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. You know the the idea where you throw it all. And and to my defence, this isn't a midlife thing. This has been going on for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, no, we know what you mean. No, I'm talking about the super kooky thing. You know, we're really, really kooky. Yeah. If I, we don't dress like that now. People often use that um, uh, example of Iris Apfel, that incredible, she's 100 now. Yeah. Incredibly, she's an incredible stylist. This woman, you know, when you really break down what she does, she's beautiful. That I mean, she's unbelievable the way she lays things on. It's not like she just got all this stuff and mm. put it on. Exactly. And like, what's that part in the school where you're just, you know, wearing a beautiful, something really simple and your hair's pulled back, but, you, you know, you've got the lines on your face and you might just have a great pair of spectacles on and a great lipstick. And, like, where's that bit being mm. celebrated rather mm. than saying, oh, you know, you know, that you've got to be this sort of person you're like, oh, look at her, isn't she? She's a bit funny. She's a bit eccentric. Like, where's that chic part in the middle? Yeah. And I, I don't know why we haven't been, that hasn't been addressed. You know, it's either, oh, isn't she sexy, isn't she fabulous? Or, you know, where, where you just, we haven't really celebrated that sort of beautiful streamlined chic, you know, no. that I would see those where you'd go to Milan and the um, older women would be there because you could their long silver hair and, big, fantastic pair of earrings and a navy coat. You're like, oh, my God, look how fabulous she looks. Yeah. You know, rather than having all this artifice yeah. that they go on with. So something we have to keep, and I can't, I do address it in the book, and, I mean, it's about yeah. um, do the wardrobe too, is that, so it isn't all about having to do, you know, plastic surgery or crazy clothes or whatever, but it's actually this kind of chic minimalism that we can look towards. But I guess we didn't have, we haven't had the role models. We're not, we're still very ageist in Australia. We are. You know, for I a long agree. time, the only, the only older woman anybody could ever think that existed was Ida Buttrose. No one yep. could think of anybody else. Mm. She was the only one that was visible yep. on, on TV or on anything. Yep. You know, for ages, decades. And so we've got to address that where older women are just continually part of, you know, being very visible. We've got a long way to go, haven't we? Do still incredibly ageist here, more so than it is in Europe or America. Yeah, yeah, where are our national closest? Where are our you know, they're not there. Yeah, 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 so true. The only one, yeah. Um, we talk a lot, Mel and I, um, and uh, to our audience about all the different transitions we face in midlife and how our career, our roles in life can be very much linked to our identity and sense of self. In your book, you mentioned that you were actually 50 when your high fashion corporate career ended and you found yourself at home. I think it was with a cupboard of tailored suits, lots of nice handbags (laughs) and two wonderful (laughs) sons finishing high school. And at that time, your mother was also in palliative care. Now, that is a lot. 
Um, would mm. you be happy to share with us the challenges that, that you faced at that time of your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that that is a lot. You know, those years, aren't they, particularly if you, if you um, choose to have children, those years between 30 and 50, 50 you know, mid-50s, they're, they're, they're intense. If you've got a career and you've also chosen to have kids and sometimes you will also have elderly parents that you've mm. got to take care of as well and, you know, staff and it, there's a lot. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. So when I lost, I, lost, uh, I lost my job when I was 50. The boys were at, um, the twins were just about to go in to do their HSC and, yeah, mum was heading to palliative care. So in a way it was probably good timing for me to step back a little bit and go, I need to just spend a little bit of time here with the family um, and think about what's next for me. And I did have to actually, because I'd been in at Vogue for, gosh, almost 30 years, I, I, I did have to say to myself, who am I and, who, who am I now at 50 and what do I want to do next? And what even do I want to wear? What do I, what music do I want to listen to? Like everything. I had to find myself again because I had a book deal. So I knew I was going to be staying at home and writing a book. And I thought, well, okay, everything can change really. And once I started to question who I was, corporate life, what what that represented, once I started questioning it, I just never stopped questioning it. And I thought I'd go back to corporate and I just never did because the longer I went through the journey, the more I realised that I did want to just be a pure creative and that I didn't want to answer to anybody anymore and I didn't want to, maybe I had PTSD, but I didn't, <laughs> want to, I didn't want to answer to anyone. I didn't want to sit around the table and have people second guess me. I was like, I've done that. It's quite freeing in, in some ways for you. Yeah. And I questioned the and when you start questioning the system, you never stop questioning the system and you yeah. end up going down a different path. I think that's so, so true. The irreverence and the irreverent nature kind of sinks in and you're just like, mm, no. Nah. Yeah. And you're just like, what was that about? And you're like, well, you know, it, why do you want to rejoin something if it, you know, if it just didn't seem the right place for me to be anymore? I was like, yeah. no, that's, no, there's got a different path to that. And so, you know, I think. I'm probably at another one now. Just I'm at the end of my fifties now, and I'm like, well, what does the next bit look like? You yes. know, now the boys have moved out, and um, and I'm just making, you know, living as a freelance writer. It's like when you empty your mind of expectations, like look, stuff can um, unfold. Yeah, the creative, <laughs> yeah, true. The creativity can flow. I guess you know the freedom. Got, yeah, there's so much freedom with that. Yeah. Kirstie, with experience and hindsight, what advice or wisdom can you give us about the times when life throws those inevitable upheavals our way? Yes. Well, I, uh, and often I would say this to um, like young women as well when, you know, when I do, I do a lot of mentoring. I think I have a lot of young women in my life and well, I'm really Where do we sign up? Yeah. Can we sign up? Where do we sign up? <laughs> For your mentoring. Where do we sign up? We want you to mentor us. <laughs> You know, honestly, and everybody's journey is different and everybody's concerns are different, but I just always like to take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it sounds like very basic advice, but we get all revved up that, you know, it's terrible and it's going to be, what's going to happen tomorrow? And you start worrying about things that may never even happen. I remember talking to somebody who'd taken over an editorship and she was saying, worrying about something. I said, don't worry about it. Something will come along that you've never thought about and that will actually be the issue. Don't, don't think too far ahead you know don't okay. don't 
I'm not a big. I'm not a five year vision person. I really, I'm really not. Look how the world changes all the time. Like oh, yeah. the way. Look what's happened now. I, I, I'm very. I'm very. It's okay today. This is good today. Yep. It's good for this week. Yep. Now let's see what's next week. And I just think you put less stress on yourself like that. You know. Yeah. It's, it's good advice. Great advice. Mm. It's good advice. No, I often say that. We're not in control as much as we think we are. No, correct. (laughs) I often say to myself, just get out of your own head. Yeah, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Try and enjoy the minute. I mean, it's supposed to be very Zen or Buddhist, isn't it? But try and enjoy the minute. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Now, back to your latest book, Why Did I Buy That? Oh, my God. How many times have I said that? (laughs) I've mentioned on our potty a few times how I have regrettably or maybe not, regrettably, lent a little too hard into a lot of fashion trends. Um, I've listened, I listened to the audio book. I'm a, an audio book girl. It's so fun. And not does it take you down memory lane of some of your own fashion purchases, but as you were saying before, it gets you thinking about how you want to show up moving forward. I love that you shared so many parts of your life so openly Early on in the book, you mentioned that you're an incorrigible eavesdropper, which a trait yeah. is that I share and have also confessed <laughs> about on this podcast. <laughs> I read a review of your book from InStyle editor Laura Brown, who summed it up so well. She wrote, it is possible to both love fashion and see through it at the same time, and that you, Kirsty Clement, are a very wise woman. That was very nice of Laura. (laughs) (laughs) And Laura and I used to work together years ago at Harper's Bazaar. We were sort of way at the beginning of our careers in the late 90s Um, and she's gone on to, you know, be huge and run in style. But, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't see myself as a fashion guru at all. I've I've got a very practical and realistic street, but, uh, you know, not a sample size and what have you. I was never a sample size. I was lucky enough to mix with very chic people and I, I could take cues from them and people that I saw and, you know, often the chicest people are not the ones that you see all in the, in the main, you know, that are all mm, made up, um, dressed made up. up and over accessorized or whatever. The chicest people are the ones that would just sit to and sit, sit next to it something and think, oh, my God, this woman, you know, she's incredible or man or what have you. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely got a strong practical and realistic streak and I hate, when we all hate, wasting money and, in, and increasingly we're much more aware of wasting resources and, yep. You know the importance yep. of, of um, you know, sustainability and and not exploiting uh, workers or you know ruining the planet. So it, I'm trying to find a way for people to sort of go through that, still have fun with fashion because that's the whole point of fashion. You know, we it's supposed to make you feel great, and it does. But how do you do that and be more mindful about what you're buying, so that at the end of the day you feel confident and not that you've just got a wardrobe full of expensive things that you've wasted your money on, you've got nothing to wear. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. You know, we, yep. and it's and it's hard to it's hard to do. I mean, I I started the beginning of lockdown going, I won't buy anything. I'm not going to buy anything online. And just, <laughs> you know, and then you know, about think one of month three, and uh, you know, I I did make some mistakes. I'm like, well, why are you doing that? Because you've just written a book. Why did you buy that? Do it. <laughs> yeah, why did you buy that? These things that I arrived. I'm like, well, why did I buy that? You know, at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and mostly the reason I regretted it was because the quality was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Yeah. And there's a, you can't touch and see You can't. You can't I, I personally don't like online shopping um, and one of the reasons is that and also because I have a very odd figure shape so nothing fits me. I have to try things on. They make things look better. So you're like, oh, look at that beautiful beach bag. And then when it arrives, it's some yes. piece of nasty piece of there, and you, you know, so I've stopped my online shopping for a minute too because I want now, we need to go out and, and um Support local and everything. Yeah. I'm going to get back out and, just yeah. and actually and connect and, see and feel something. So it's worth my money. Tangible. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because, see, the book covers um, lots of great tips on editing your wardrobe um, as we age, fun anecdotes about fashion trends and faux pas, the questions you ask yourself um, or potentially should be asking yourself. You touch on how we can all experience erratic and contradictory feelings about ageing and about being happy in the skin we are in. To feeling at times shopworn and invisible, which we touched on before. So, what's your top fashion advice achievable for ladies as they transition into or maybe smack bang in the middle of their 50s? Or if I can quote from your book, to be the best version of ourselves, vibrant and glowing into old age. <laughs> Love that quote, by the way. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Glowing yeah. into old age. No. It's brilliant. A lot of that is. A lot of that is internalised, isn't it, about being happy and, and, and sort of working on yourself internally. But but having said that, mm-hmm. your body does change when you get, you know, post-50, post-menopausal. You, your body does change, especially you've got bosoms. You know, you might get thicker around the waist. You definitely get, you know, your legs get a different shape. I think getting clothes that fit you properly uh, is the first and foremost the most important thing. And so things that may have fitted you 10, 15 years ago, you need to have a look now and go, I don't know, maybe, you know, that silhouette isn't exactly the right silhouette. Yep. And so while I'm all for, as we get older, wear what you want, of course, you mm. know, if you want a mobile, knock yourself out. You, like you have earned, you can wear whatever you want. I'm not certainly saying giving people rules and regulations, that's awful. Yep. But there are some things that are going to age you if you don't want to hasten the process. Yeah. Yeah. And things like certain floral prints, you know, I'll, I'll look and I'm like, mm, if I wore that Liberty print, shirt or if I, you know, short sleeve shirt or if I were, it would age me, you know, floral. So print, true. I, and you see it, yeah, the, you yeah. see it on the young girls and you think, oh my God, that is gorgeous. I'm going to try that. And then you put yes. it on and think, oh my God, I just look ridiculous. Yes, exactly. And you know, some of those like prairie dresses that have got high necks and puff sleeves and whatever. Oh my God. Yes. Of course on a young yep. girl, they're going to look incredible, but they could look really mumsy as you get older. And I, I tend, I love floral prints, but I now would probably tend to choose something that's got a black background or a navy background and, and the print. So it looks a bit chinoiserie mm-hmm. rather than a big bright tropical print to me, which can look a bit mumsy. Mm-hmm. You know, just three-quarter pants, you know. Like yeah. they cut off <laughs> I think in the day they were called a knickerbocker. <laughs> Knickerbockers. Yeah, I was ready to get that pant to go to the ground and put a really gorgeous leather flat sandal on it. And, yeah, know, yeah. There's just some silhouettes. Um, yep. that are easier to wear. You know, but why, why I'm saying this is I, I don't want to preach to people because I don't want anybody to dress. Yep. But that's how I want to dress. But if you want to wear a Stooges T-shirt and a yep. pair of ripped jeans, go go for it. Yep. You know, that, uh, that's a great look. When you look at someone who does that, like Debbie Harry, or something, you're like, you know, you're cool, Patty Smith. Yeah. I get why you that. But for most of it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, there are some <laughs> things we can <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, Icon. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as we would like to be. Yeah, I'd love to be. Yeah, I miss my calling with that one. I always wanted to be a rock star. It just didn't happen. But um, but what you're saying is so true. Um, and it's okay. Our bodies do change, and I'm okay with that. 
I'm actually okay. Mm. And I totally agree with you that it's finding silhouettes that work with you. And also you mentioned in the book, and, you know, it seems obvious, but it is a message that we need to reinforce all the time, that as long as you feel comfortable and you're feeling a million bucks when you, you walk out the door, that's half your battle done for the day. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, just skip the trend. Like trends are there to adopt, if you like, them or be skipped if you don't like them. You know, like yeah. I, I don't look good in boho. You know, my head, like I, I just don't, so I skip boho. Even there's a jean season. If you don't like that shape of jean, the mom jean is it. But mom, I don't want a mom jean. I'll look ridiculous. Yeah. So forget, I'll get a kick and flare jean and dark navy. I don't. I don't care what they. That's for the you know the youngins to yep. to yep. wear that. Yep. Um And you know yeah. And I, I think. And I'm not. I'm not also not snobbish about labels. You know. I, I think I could edit a Gucci store for you, but I could also edit Kmart for you. Yeah. We could go and shop in the men's section. And I could find you something great. It's actually about value for money and and things that colours that suit you and the cut that suits you. Mm. Yeah, nice. So good. So good. Um, you share your love of the TV shows Hoarders and Marie Kondo, which I also share that love, and of a good wardrobe <laughs> edit and cull. And I'm yeah. sure we all agree that it's much easier to do someone else's. What's the best way yeah. to attack it? Yeah, let's talk attack. Let's talk attack, ladies. Oh. <laughs> love attacking. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. another whole podcast, yeah. another whole episode, I mean. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to put, well, everything has in there has to fit. Now, let me put a caveat on it because it's COVID at the moment. We're just out. We might put on a couple of kilos. Mm-hmm. So okay, there's a COVID clause. A there's a COVID clause, ladies, yeah. but it's going to shut down soon. <laughs> so get going. Definitely, because I, I gave up walking this time around. I'm like, I can't be bothered to walk. But last time around, I was walking every day. This time, I was like, forget it. I'm staying home. A but, friend of um, mine so was we- telling me she has a jeans day every Tuesday during lockdown in Sydney. Because she was wearing tracksuit oh. pants so often, she'd have to at least try her jeans on once a week to just kind of remind sure. herself yeah. where, she's where she was yeah. and where she was living. Yeah. <laughs> just a little heads up, Dal. You that's will have to get into jeans at some time. <laughs> yeah, that is smart because that's that slippery slope of the last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. I'm not in COVID. lockdown. <laughs> once the COVID caveat is finished, which I'll give it, let's say it's about six weeks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> don't keep things that don't fit you. They're just taking up valuable cupboard space. It's time for someone else to to get some mileage out of them if they're good pieces, mm-hmm. um, or you don't, or do, you know donate or express the success of their good pieces or donate to Goodwill, and then salvos. And then if if there's something that you you kind of like but you don't, I'd actually probably get rid of that too and move it on. And just keep pieces that way when you look at them, you think, no, that makes me really happy. I know it fits. Um, I'll wear that. And what I've done with my girlfriend is just actually rearrange things to into sort of uh, so that you can see them, you can reach, you know, you know, don't put them in places you can't see. You won't wear them if they're not there, which is they're better to opt the out. And then just sort of like this is a great way to um, I go and refresh them to say that's a corporate jacket you might wear, but you could wear this on the weekend if you just put it with a sneaker and a T-shirt or get another fashionable friend to come over and show, think about different ways to wear your clothes. Yep. But there are ba- there, there is a pretty much a basis for the capsule wardrobe. I didn't invent it. It, it existed for a long time. It's always in fashion magazines, but it's, it's a good one, which is a great pair of tailored in black pants, a white shirt, a trench coat, white T-shirt, a beautiful uh, oversized cardigan, 
a great pair of sneakers, white sneakers, a fantastic tote bag. These are things that you'll never, you will always wear. The idea yep. is that you wear something more than 30 times. Yep. Great denim shirt. They're really basic. And then you can go, um, you know, beautiful wool coat, that camel coat. And then um, cashmere if you can afford it. And then you update it by putting on a, a new, a great sandal or a new boot or a fantastic new little evening clutch or an earring or a new lipstick mm-hmm. and, you know, haircut. But you've got these really beautiful pieces. I have a Giorgio Armani coat. I think it's, it's Emporio, navy. I got it in the late 90s and I still wear it. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's classic. Over, beautiful quality, oversized. It's where it was jeans and sneakers or I could put it over a black dress. So I've only got a little black dress is another one in the capsule wardrobe. I just realised the other day I've thrown out all my black dresses. I need to replace it and get a, a one now that I think is right for my age my shape now, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, you need to go shopping, Kirsty. What a shame. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm glad to Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, lucky. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah, but I do refresh the silhouette too for myself. I've probably yeah. got more Mandarin things now and um, I don't have things with no low necklines yep. now that I'm my life. Um, yeah, so I, I refresh the silhouette as well. Okay, yeah. cool. Now, before we wrap it up, because unfortunately our time is running a bit short. Want to have a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, and a bit of fun. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask both you and Mel your worst fashion faux pas, ladies. Tell me, <laughs> um, and obviously all being teenagers in the 80s, we've got plenty to pull from. <laughs> um, Kirsty, you're our guest. You go first. Worst fashion faux pas. I did, I did buy, and I don't know what came over me. I remember once, um, I think I was jet lagged because I was initially, and I bought an orange leather skirt. Nice. <laughs> but it was like a skirt, a straight skirt because orange looks nice in Milan. Orange looks terrible in Sydney. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the light. But it was a long straight skirt, like mid-calf, orange, and it was too big for me. It was like a size too big for me anyway. And then when I got it back and I put it on and I was like, I look, literally look like a phone box. Like there was no getting <laughs> yeah. Where would you wear an orange leather skirt in Sydney? No. Only in Milan. Only in Milan with a camel yeah. sweater or something. So that was just a stupid purchase. But I remember when I dressed really inappropriately was I was invited to this lovely country wedding. And I wore like a floral dress and, and espadrilles because I knew we'd be dancing on, and it was really fantastic. And then the next morning they said, we're going to have like the recovery breakfast. And I packed like a black, like a black dress and heels and like this stupid handbag. <laughs> and then when I, got to, <laughs> so when I got to breakfast, everybody was just wearing like shorts and sneakers <laughs> <laughs> you know, and tops and they were all, they were all yeah. like, in a tubes and, you know, in the river and everyone's having bacon and egg sandwiches and, and I just looked like an idiot and with this big handbag and I was like, oh, I got so wrong. Yeah. Like I, I, oh, we've all I, had those moments. Yeah. yeah. How is that? Yeah. I was really embarrassed. I'm like you, I should have had like, you know, I could have worn a denim skirt and, yep. a, and a denim shirt and, a, and cool sand. I just couldn't. So badly wrong. I looked yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't look ridiculous, but you probably felt out of place. No, <laughs> okay, Mel. I'll oh, tell you what, if, Kirstie, if you can get it wrong sometimes, then uh, then we all can. Look, I am. Um, it's not casual enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, 
uh, I've had some crackers um, over the years, but I don't know, like I think I make less bad choices now as I'm getting older. I just, I'm so aware of my figure shape and um, my body type and what colours look good on me. But when I was living in Dubai, I went out this one night in a cream ribbed dress, like oh, a very <laughs> unforgiving. Oh, I do. I've got a figure like a refrigerator. You so I not. should not, A, I should not have been wearing it. My boobs were too big. I don't have a flat stomach. I don't have much of a bum, but absolutely <laughs> hideous. I looked hideous, but, and I thought, oh yes. And then my flatmate, who's a real, still to this day, a very, very good friend of mine, came up to me and said, um, Melinda, could you just wear some different undies? Because <laughs> Because I had these full briefs on and they're all bunched up and she said, go and put a G-string on. And I went, oh, no, I really don't want to wear a G-string. I'm not comfortable because it's a cream ribbed dress. Anyway, I friggin' went out in this cream ribbed dress that clung to everything in full bunched up undies. (laughs) That's bad, girls. It is bad. I I did not look good. I do believe that one of the most important things in our wardrobe, ladies, is a good pair of underpants. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. A good pair of well-fitting mm. flesh-coloured briefs. I just didn't I didn't prioritise it when yeah, I was a no. flight attendant, you know, no. like it just spent half my life drunk. And especially I just didn't care about good a few, undies. A few, you know, pre-event yeah. cocktails. Which yeah. I had, of course, but anyway. Yeah, so that was bad. Okay, Trish, bring okay. it on. Tell bring us, it tell us on. yours. Well, as... It will not surprise anyone that um, I have quite a few fashion faux pas memories, but one that pops to mind um, in the 80s, it would have been late 80s, and um, I had a cheesecloth <laughs> outfit and I was a beach girl. So this is, and I wore it to the Gold Coast. It was a white crop kind of tied cheesecloth top and the bottom half was a, a mini, but it was a, a squat. So it kind of had a tie with a little waistband and a little oh, frilled skirt. I'm not, I'm not hating the sound of this. No, no, but <laughs> this story gets worse because I had two girlfriends <clears throat> who had the same outfit, one in fluoro uh-huh. yellow and one in fluoro <laughs> green, and we wore them at the same time down to the beach. <laughs> so we wore them. To, and I think at the time it was the Nutrigrain Ironman series, which in <laughs> Queensland was huge and all televised. And so here we are down there. And in our defence, we probably looked quite hot, you know. Mm. It was the glory days. You, yeah. Um, but it gets worse because um, the televised coverage, somebody came up and said, could we please film you girls? Um, if you could say, is that a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's an Iron Man. <laughs> and we said yes. So that's where that story gets really tragic. Mm. <laughs> and you know what? That's my look. There's so many, but that's one that you know. I think just that whole scenario makes it quite a faux pas. Well, we've all done. <laughs> look, but Mel, I must say, when I was thinking about it, I also thought of the look from the '80s. Maybe it was early '90s that you rocked. And I think that I may have also um, copied your look. <laughs> and I think we were both copying Madonna at the time, which mm. was the fabulous black bone bustiers with mini skirts yes. or under the blazers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. favourite. But that's still a good look. I love that look. Yeah. That's yeah. very good. I think I had a bejeweled one. Oh, I love okay. a bit of jeweling. Yeah, 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 yeah. You rock that one. Well, oh, thanks. Of course, I'm under a pinstripe jacket's a gorgeous look. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's gorgeous now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's what we need to yeah. we need to check yeah. in with Kirsty every now and then just to check and see what we're wearing and is it they're classic, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know whatever happened to that bust year. <laughs> but as for the cropped cheesecloth top and squat, I think I'll leave that. <laughs> no, <laughs> In the 80s. Because yeah. um, we've got one yeah. final question for you, and you would have been asked this 100 times, but um, we love playing around with this question, and that is that if you were now to talk to your 20-ish self, what advice would the 50-ish Kirsty give Kirsty in her 20s? Going back to what I said before, because I haven't been asked that question before, I think it's really hard to do in retrospect. I think not. I think naivety mm-hmm. can work for you, you know? Yeah. So knowing all the answers, knowing answers in, in advance, maybe not be good. Like for you, you need to go on the voyage of discovery yourself. It's your it's your voyage, your journey. You need to make those mistakes. Um, so you think like embracing your naivety, like not being afraid of it, just accepting it, that kind of thing? In a way. Yeah, leaning yeah, into because, it. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because then you kind of go and you go and tackle things that if you had, if you were more knowledgeable about, you'd be like, oh, no, that will, you know, yeah. you'd be probably yeah. a little bit sensitive. I think naivety makes you brave. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree. You know, yeah. and, As we said before, get out yeah. of your own head. Just give it a crack. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, just kind of, because if you're naive, you're kind of full of wonder about things and then that actually is a better experience. So, because I, I have been asked that question, I think, oh, what, you know, do you say put more money in super and yeah, there's that, or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> As my mother said, always put the house in your name. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Good advice. Good advice, Mum. <laughs> you know, um, cars are not worth any money once you drive them out of the showroom. Yeah. Like, things like that. But, mm. you know, so probably money advice. To, yeah. 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 Um, um, and, I, and, I, and not to be so hard and self-critical on, you know, we're so, we're so critical about our bodies and our skin and oh, our hair yeah, and, so how, you know, yeah. how we don't measure up. But that's, it's very hard. But I think the new generation have got a better grip on that slightly. I, I, I do too. I agree. They're not uh, quite so brutal. Like they're a little bit no, I feel like they're a little bit more like this is me and, yeah. you know, I'm happy. Like, I hope. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, but I think. That's a good answer though. Yeah. It, it is a bit of a yeah, tough question. <laughs> it is a tough question because yeah. it's a very specific thing. It's probably about money because, you know, you really want to think you could you get, I mean, if you're set up, you can have more choices. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yeah, but certainly there's things like, you know, the obvious ones like don't rely on men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have your own stash of cash, ladies. Oh, have your own have stash, stash of cash. <laughs> Love that stash. Oh my gosh. Can I just say that mm. Mel and I are so humbled and honoured <laughs> to have been able to speak to you today. It's been so much fun. Um, you know, you've rubbed shoulders with some of the greats and been interviewed by some of the most professional (laughs) and now potentially some of the most unprofessional. (laughs) Two regular 50 issues. Giving it a crack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you again. And, um, you know, I think it's testament to your down-to-earth, generous nature and, um, yeah, thank you so much and uh, it's very much appreciated. And, ladies, if, like us, you would like more of um, Kirsty's musing in your life and you would also like to know how 
to purchase her book, we'll put that in our show notes and how you can um, follow her on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Kirsty, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience on where to get your book, etc.? Um, yeah, well, I think luckily bookstores are back open again, which is fab. Um, and so, and it's on Booktopia. Yeah. Um, yep. If you want to um, order on Booktopia, and then there is an audible version. Yes, yes, that's and what I'm listening to at the moment. First time, I'm a purist. I I'm in a book club. I read books, but I'm listening mm. um, to your book on Audible. Very first time I've ever done it, and it's great. Very portable. I didn't read that. I didn't read it myself actually. I had a, they did a little test for me, but um, because there's um, lists and things in there, and it um, it was they got a proper actress to do it because I think it's harder to read when you've got lists and things. But, yeah, 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 so, yeah. No, um, it was uh, it was yeah, really yeah, cool. The UK and the US next year, so that's. Exciting too. So. That's well, exciting. So We're bound to oh. get viral over there at some stage <laughs> of our life. So. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's go viral. Yeah, let's Who go viral. Right. Who knows, right? Kirsty, thank you so much. We do so it. appreciate your time. You're Thanks. so generous. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, share with a friend, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Don't Give a Fifty and email us at hello at don'tgiveafifty.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what topic you'd like us to tackle next. Don't be shy because we're not. This is a judgment-free zone and we're always happy to hear from you. I think we agree life is for living. Buy the expensive but well thought through shoes, handbags and coats. Eat the cake, drink the wine, not only use the good stuff but wear your for good stuff. Don't leave it just for good. Whatever you want, just look after and be kind to yourself and don't give a 50 because we're all awesome regardless of age and living is an absolute privilege. And ladies, do yourself a favour and get your hands on this book because because we have only scratched the surface. There are so many good tips and such good advice. It's such a good, fun read. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 